lead. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but Naturalism wins at a half length to Viander Cross in a bumping finish. Cavalieri, I think, third in front of Savonet. Friday the 2nd of September and Saturday September 3rd are two important days on the Spring Carnival agenda. On Friday, stakes races will be run at Wyong, the 2100 metre listed Wyong Cup and the 1350 metre listed Mona Lisa Stakes for the Phillies and Mares. This is the day the Wyong Club hosts one of the best provincial meetings of the year. Saturday the 3rd and the spotlight falls on Royal Randwick where four group races will be staged. The Group 2 Chelmsford Stakes, the Group 2 Tramway, the Group 2 Furious Stakes and the Group 3 1000 metre Concord Stakes. This is just an appetiser of what's to come in Sydney racing right through until Melbourne Cup Day when the inaugural Big Dance takes centre stage. A quick mention of the Rose Hill Gardens meeting on September the 10th when the Group 2 Run to the Rose will highlight a top card. This will be a spring carnival to remember. I spotted many familiar faces at the recent jockeys reunion at Randwick, including the very youthful countenance of John Wade, who'd flown from the Gold Coast to catch up with old friends. John hasn't ridden in a race since 1984 when a serious hip injury sustained in a fall at Ipswich brought his brilliant career to an end. He was just 34 years of age when he quit the saddle. He spent no more than 15 or 16 years as an active race rider but won 1,152 races with an amazing 2,688 placings six Newcastle Apprentices Premierships and seven jockeys titles. He was privileged to win eight races from nine rides on the champion cult Luscan Star. Under today's race rankings, five of those wins would have been classified as Group 1s. John had the advantage of being tutored as a youngster by his dad, the late Bill Wade, an outstanding Newcastle-based jockey who rode 1,723 career winners and won a total of 42 cup races all over New South Wales. The Wades, Bill and John, father and son, are both inductees in the Newcastle and Hunter Racing Hall of Fame. Today, John works full-time for a pathology company called Infinity, and he spends most of his time on the road. We've managed to pin him down for a chat before he gets on the road again. Johnny Wade, it's great to catch up and lovely to see you at the Jockeys' reunion recently. You look well. Very good, John. Thank you very much. You would have ridden with most of the jockeys who were in the room last Saturday week, I imagine. I did, yes, for sure. Tell us about this job, John. You're logging something like 2,000 kilometres a week. What are you doing? I'm going around and pick, picking up um, skins for the uh, pathology company mm -hmm. and uh, they're like melanomas, things like that. We don't do bloods or uh, paps or anything like that. We just do the skins. Mm -hmm. So it's histology we go and pick up, yeah. 
You live on the Gold Coast. How far away do you drive uh, in a normal week? What's your furthest point? Uh, a place called Walloon, which is the other side, about 12, about uh, 15 minutes, the other side of Ipswich. Mm. Yeah. It must have been pretty intimidating early in your career to be living in the shadow of a bloke like Billy Wade, your dad, who was an iconic jockey in the era. He got to 91, John, and died as recently as 2020. That's correct, yes, John, yeah. And how was he in in latter years? Oh, well, he had dementia in latter years, so uh, he sort of didn't know us the last 12 months probably. Mm. Uh, but before that, he was quite good. Yeah. yeah. I remember him so well. He was a quiet <laughs> bloke by nature and he rode horses quietly. He always looked to me like he had a little bit up his sleeve. Would that be a fair judgment? Exactly, exactly, yeah. If you had to pick another well-known jockey with a similar style, you'd say Peter Cook. Yes, he w- I would too, yes, exactly. Yeah, very good. Well, your dad won 13 Newcastle premierships and there was one battle in your final year as an apprentice. Now, that was the year you won both the junior and the senior titles and there was very little between you and dad coming into the final day. What happened? Uh, well, I, I, I beat dad and, uh, well, actually, Laurie Billet beat dad by one point for second. Mm. Uh, dad ran third. So, uh, which would have been good if Dad had been able to run second. Yeah, would it? Yeah. <laughs> they would have made a little piece of history. Yeah, it would have been lovely. Yeah. You mentioned the name Laurie Billet, who was the other jockey in that premiership battle with you and your dad. You may not know this story. Laurie was doing national service in 1954 when Na Puny won the Doombin 10,000. And under normal circumstances, Laurie would have been Napuni's rider. But he couldn't get leave from the army to ride the horse and your dad got the call to ride Napuni and it turned out to be his only Group 1 winner. Yes, that's right. That's good. He won the 1954, it was, yeah. Mm. Did he talk yeah. about the race in later years? No, no, no. Dad never talked about other races that had already gone by very, very seldom. Mm. Yeah. He looked ahead. He looked ahead, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you suffered a career-ending injury in a registered race, but it's interesting that Dad's career was terminated in a barrier trial accident. Where That's was right. that? What happened there? That was at Gunnedah. Mm. Um, yes, the horse went to uh, duck out the gap, and in those days the running rails were made of very solid wood, not... Um, aluminium and he hit his head on the on the running rail. Yeah, that was uh, early seventies, John. Uh, Seventy two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, July seventy two, actually. Well, in the early nineteen yeah. sixties, your dad decided to move the family to Moree for a while, and yeah. this is where you learned to ride. I think you were about ten. How did you learn yes. to ride at Moree? Well, we used to go after the races uh, when Dad rode on Saturday. We used to go to a big property out, uh, thousands of acres. Mm. And uh, on the Sunday, Dad and everyone and the owner of the property go pig hunting. Mm. Well, I jumped jumped on the horses and learnt the ponies with um, no saddle, Good. always bareback, all day riding 
jumping fallen logs and falling trees and roly polies. But when you look back at it, no skull cap, no, nothing like that in those days. And uh, um, you wouldn't do it these days. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No. For John Baerbeck, what a wonderful way to learn balance. Uh, exactly, yes. I think that helped me a lot. Well, when it was time for you to become an apprentice, you really landed on your feet. You gained a spot with the late Roy Hinton. He'd been a good jockey himself and yes. in later years, of course, a, a very good trainer. You spent the full six years of your apprenticeship with Roy, who's gone now. He died a few years ago. That's correct, yeah. Good boss? Good boss, very good boss, yeah. No, he, he was very good. Was he still riding work, John, at that stage? No, no, no. I, Dad rode work and I rode work and he had a couple of other apprentices there. We all rode work, yeah, mm. but not, not really. Your very first race ride was at Gosford in 1965. Horse's name was Young Frau. You finished right. out of a place, but you yeah. didn't have to wait long for a winner. In no. fact, it was only, what, three of, two or three rides later? My third and fourth ride back. Was it? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Where was that? That was at Scone. Um, yeah, it was Scone in December of that month, of that year. Mm, 1965. I started riding in November, yeah. Mm. And we're talking the old Scone track, White Park. Oh, yeah, the old Scone track is right, yeah. Mm, a bit different to the new one. Oh, okay, oh, my word it was. Yeah. yeah. Now, John, somebody told me the fields were very small in those two races you won. They were. There was only two horses in each, and I was the outsider <laughs> in both of them. <laughs> <laughs> brought the favourite unstuck. I brought the favourite unstuck, ridden by Herb Everly, by the way, yeah. Yeah, the late Herb Everly. Late Herb Everly, yeah. I've jotted down the names of your two winners, Lineot and Bronette. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct, yep. I wonder who trained them. I just can't remember the name of the trainer um, just off here. No, I can't. Mm. Too, long, too long ago. Yeah, it's not yesterday, is it? <laughs> well, John, it was Roy Hinton who supplied your first city winner, and I can remember calling this race. Mayor's name was Sialia. Sialia, that's correct, yep. Princess Handicap at Randwick, and you beat a very good filly. Yeah, the farmer's daughter. Mm. Yeah. One of Bart's. Yeah, one of Bart's written by J.J. Miller. J.J. Miller was riding a little bit in Sydney at that time. He must have been, yes. I, I can't remember how many times he was there. He was from Western Australia, I think, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, 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 Western Australia. I saw yeah. him at a function in WA about four years ago. Uh, All right, he yep. wandered over at the end of the day and said hello, and uh, he's a great character with excellent recall. And I right. could have I could have listened to his stories for another two hours. Right, it's amazing. Now, is it true you had an opportunity to join the Jack Denham stable uh, very yes, late I... in your apprenticeship? What did he ring himself? I can't. I don't. I can't recall because Dad told Dad arranged uh, that. Was mm. Speaking to him about that. Um, yeah, I had the last six, last twelve months. You do five years with Roy, and then your last twelve months you can go with whoever you want to. Mm. But I ended up staying with Roy. I didn't didn't move down to Jack. 
Because I was riding, Dad was riding for Jack when they brought horses to Newcastle, and I had a couple of rides for him mm. uh, around that area too. Mm. Yeah, shitty life didn't appeal. Didn't appeal. No, I was I was going well. I was a a bigger fish in a small a pond. Mm. Well, we all know that Robert Thompson had several opportunities to come to the city, but couldn't bear the thought. Uh, of leaving uh, the beloved Hunter Valley. And I'll tell you another well-known jockey, John, who actually did come to Sydney and spend some time with Jack Denham, but he got very homesick and quickly found his way back to Cowra, and I refer to Matthew Carl. Oh, yeah, right. Right. Mm. I didn't know that. Yep. So, you know, there were a number of country apprentices who could have got a start with Jack Denham, but... They were bushies at heart, and you were one of them. Yes, definitely. Now, mate, tell me about this Melbourne Cup ride you had way back in 1967. You were 17 years of age. It was a Newcastle horse, wasn't it? It was, Coronation Cadet. Yeah, mm. it was the horse. Right. He was at long odds. Oh, yeah, he would have been. Yeah, I, did. I never looked at the prices. I wouldn't, wouldn't have a clue. But, mm. uh, yeah. You tell me you were lost on and off the track. Is that true? <laughs> I was indeed. Like I was, uh, I've never ridden that way of going. I was young and I, uh, I hadn't even ridden track work that way. So, and I couldn't watch any of the races in those days. I didn't have the tellies. Mm. Um, so I was really lost, yeah. Mm. That cup, incidentally, was won by Red Handed. I, it was Bart Cummings' third that's right. right. He'd, he'd won it in 65, 66, and this was his third Melbourne Cup win with a horse called Red Handed, ridden by a bloke you got to know in later years, the great Roy Higgins. Oh, yes, right, yeah. Now, John, you were Johnny on the spot when Max Lee started his training career in the late yeah. 1960s. I don't think he intended to start training as early as he did, but he had a race fall, didn't he? Yeah, she had a race full at Canterbury. Mm. Yeah. And so, broke his arm. Yep. So that hastened his entry into the training ranks. That's correct, yeah. Mm. So what happened there? Did you offer to ride work for him? Yes, I did. I did. I was uh, – I'd come out of my time with Roy and I'm, I'm Max had just started. So uh, I, I thought, oh, well, that's an opportunity for me, an opportunity for Max. Oh. Mm. And so we started riding. Stayed together for years. Yeah. He started off with a fairly small team, didn't he? Yes. He had about five or six in work, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was he always going to make a top trainer, in your opinion? Oh, definitely, yeah. He always, you know, had had the right gift. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've reserved a little bit of time to talk about a certain horse did you ride Luskin Star in track work from his very first prep? Yes, I did, yeah. Mm. Tell me yeah. about him back then. Had a few little quirks, didn't he? He did. He dropped me quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> just being very quick on his feet you know, like today, to do a U-turn very quickly. Mm. Um, I ended up with uh, three stitches in my eyebrow and one when a bird flew off the running rail while he was cantering around. And uh, quite a few times he just dropped me on the track, coming in and out of the track, walking in. Usually when he got a shock? Usually when something scared. He's always looking, always keeping his eye on something. 
Mm. Always. Mm. Spooky horse. Very spooky, yeah. Was it obvious right from early days that he was right out of the box or did he take a little while to come into it? He always looked like he was going to be a good horse, but it wasn't until he had a gallop that, uh, like, you could feel him that he was going to be a good horse, you know, or fair horse. You can say fair. Mm. But it wasn't until he had a gallop that you knew that it was a bit better than being fair. Yeah. Yeah. Felt strong, did he? Nice action. Well, lovely, lovely to ride. Lovely mm. to ride. Yeah. Well, John, the Breeders' Plate was run in two divisions in 1976. Yeah. He started five to four favourite in his division. They put right. up a winning margin of 12 lengths. You think it was further? I think it was a lot further than 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's closer to 15. Right. And what do you base that on? Oh, just watching the race, just in the replay. And the, mm. I don't know why they put 12. I thought it was definitely 15, Good. at least. Yeah. See, you'd have to say when he started his career in a race like the Breeders' Plate, he was quite precocious then, wasn't he? He had plenty of dash, but he lost that 12 months later. Yes, but in the in the Breeders' Plate, he was never travelling. No. In the, in the Breeders' Plate. But he just takes – when you turn for home, you had another acceleration. Mm. Yeah, I see. You didn't look around in the straight. Most jockeys attempted to have a, a little peep if they think they're a mile in front, but you didn't in those days, and I don't think you ever did. You you were one jockey who refused to look back. That is correct. I never. Dad always said to me, "Don't look back. You someone will get up on the other side that you're looking. You might get beat. Never mm. look back. Mm. Just keep riding. Keep the horse balanced. You're going to do a lot better." Yeah, see, well, there's another thing yeah. he taught you. <laughs> yeah. And, John, when you think about it, you see jockeys look around all the time. What does it prove? No, I mean, <laughs> if, if something's coming quickly, you've got to get busy anyway. Exactly. You might as well just keep the momentum up. That's right. If yeah. something's coming, you'll see him out of the corner of your eye. So if you're looking straight ahead, you'll see him out of the corner of your eye. Mm. Yeah. Well, his second start was in the Silver Slipper, which was then run over that silly 900-metre course. I'm glad they got rid of that. Exactly, yes. He equaled the race record and he won by 4.5 lengths. What are your memories of the Silver Slipper? Did he feel as good as he did in the Breeders' Plate? In the Silver Slipper, that distance, he was flat out from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was he, even though he's won by four, and I wasn't in the lead. Uh, he was just off the bit all the way. It was just really too short, but he still won. Yeah, class, yeah. class. So Johnny wasn't a speed ball as such, was he? What was that? Sorry, John. I say he wasn't a speed ball, was he? No, no, he wasn't. No, no. Even in his later days, when Bart had him, he won the shorts. I think it was called. I, Mm. Yeah, I think that's the race he won. Mm. Uh, came back from 1800 to win the shorts. Yeah. In his later years. Well, he had a blow after the silver slipper and he wasn't yeah. sighted again until February 1977. You struck a bog track in a race called the Northern Slipper over 1200 metres at Newcastle. He was equal favourite at five to four 
with a very good filly called Mistress Anne, who beat you about three quarters of a length. He wasn't That's himself right. that day, was he? No, he wasn't. Wasn't it himself? But Max didn't want to start him on that day. He went to the stewards and asked to start him, mm. uh, scratch him, and uh, they didn't want him to scratch. So because these days you could probably scratch him and not race on a heavy track again. Mm. Uh, but in those days you couldn't scratch the last minute. Uh, and uh, Max said, well, I don't want him hit with the stick, so the, I didn't, and uh, he's run second. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get it in perspective. The filly that beat you that day, Mistress Anne, yeah. later won a Ramoni handicap, an Oakley plate, and a Galaxy, for crying out that's, loud. That's right. <laughs> Not bad. Oh, no, she brilliant filly, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. She was very good and very fast. Yeah, and on the day, she simply handled that heavy track better than he did. She did indeed, yeah. And she had had a run under her belt too where he hadn't. Mm. He was first up. Well, his next run was in the Todman Slipper Trial on a good track. He started odds on. He won by 3.5 lengths and he beat a very nice little horse called Mondiso from the Bobby right. Thompson stable. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think – I can't remember what happened in that race. Uh, I, it just eluded me, that one. Mm. Well, Mondiso, I'm pretty sure, had won two or three races before that. Right. So, again, you know, he was beating quality opposition all the way yes. through. That's correct. Well, go forward now two weeks and his equal favourite with Blazing Saddles in the Golden Slipper. Blazing Saddles was trained by T.J. Smith, ridden by the great Roy Higgins, and he'd won the Blue Diamond a few weeks earlier. Now, John, I've watched that slipper replay many times. You didn't look to be travelling at all in the middle stages. Were you concerned? I wasn't actually concerned, but I wasn't. I, you're right. I wasn't travelling. I was always niggling at him nearly all the way to stay in about fifth and sixth position, uh, a couple off the fence with cover. So I wasn't really worried because I knew what he'd do when I turned for home. Mm. Yeah, he was amazing, wasn't he? I mean, to, to think he could travel uh, so badly in the run and then pick up the way he did once he turned for home. He seemed to know when that straight had come up, didn't he? He did. He knew when you straight turned for home and you just roared at him, he would take off. Yeah. Well, in the slipper, you ran a race record and you beat Lloyd Boy by seven lengths and Blazing Saddles ran third. If you watch the replay closely, when you race past Blazing Saddles at the 200, Roy Higgins has a look of disbelief on his face. <laughs> yeah, Roy thought he had it won at that stage, I think. Yeah. He dashed the lead. Yeah. Well, seven lengths. Actually, you beat Blazing Saddles closer to eight lengths. Yeah, that's right. Two weeks later, you win the Sires Produce Stakes by three lengths, and this time it was an Australian record for 1,400 metres. One minute twenty one point five. At that stage, John, he was absolutely airborne, wasn't he? He was fourteen hundred and a mile. Was it was, in my opinion, was his best distance. Mm. Seven days then 
to the Champagne Stakes. And do you know there were plenty of people around the Sydney racing industry who were raising doubts about Luskin Star at the Randwick Mile. I don't think you had any doubts. I had no doubts at all. I, I, I was not worried one bit. Well, he didn't In win fact, by a huge margin, but he was never... Oh, yes, he did. He won yeah. that by six lengths. That, that's right. Six lengths. Yeah. Yeah, beat Marceau and Bull Zest. Again, two handy ones. Yes, Mar- Marceau, I led in the race. I ended up, Max said, don't worry, yeah, just ride him as you want to do, mm. however you want to. That was one good thing with Max. He just uh, let you ride how you thought. He'd t- if he wanted a horse ridden back, he'd say that. If he wanted it in the lead, he'd also say that. Mm. But other than anything else, you just ride your own race. Mm. And that's what he always used to say. And he let me lead and uh, I just led easy and when no one else wanted to lead and uh, Marceau come up to about a neck behind him coming up the rise and then I hadn't let him go then and then I let him go and uh, he won by six. Oh, dear. I can, yeah. I can still see him going to the line that day. What a beautiful horse he was. Yeah. He had a little freshen up before going to Queensland where he recorded comfortable wins in the Sires and the Marlborough Stakes, and for John Wade, it was eight out of nine and five Group 1s under today's classification. You and Luskin Star were great mates. We were. No, all good, yeah. Did he never lose that quirkiness, John? Was he still a bit spooky even at that stage? Uh, all the time. No, all the time. You always had to keep your eye on him all the time. Hmm. Well, it's now history that he was purchased by Robert Sangster before his three-year-old campaign started and he was destined to have only eight more starts. He won five of them, including a Caulfield Guineas, Expressway, Farlap Stakes and a Galaxy. And from the moment the deal was done, you knew your association with a great horse was over. Now, you, you obviously didn't expect to get on him again, but it must have been a hell of a wrench. Uh, it was disappointing because I was down to ride him in the Lithgow Stakes in Melbourne. I was down riding him track work down there, and that's when he was sold. So he scratched out of that mm. after he was sold, and I just flew home. But uh, I just went on my way and put that behind me. Yeah. It would have been a lonely flight home, eh? Uh, it was a lonely fight, home knowing he'd been sold. But, yeah. yeah. Well, it's now history that in 1978 he was syndicated into 36 shares of $28,000 each. It was an Australian record at that time to, right. st- to stand at New Haven Park Stud and listen to this, at a record first season fee of $8,000. <laughs> It'd be a lot more now. <laughs> well, let me give you an example. Just to illustrate the difference in the value of the dollar, 44 years later, a horse called Home Affairs is just about to go to stud right. at, a, at a first season fee of 110000 this season. Right. Luskin Star yeah. went to stud at 8000 Right, right. It's all relative, though, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. 
John, we'll just pause for a moment on the podcast to take a little break and we'll come back with you after this. Racing New South Wales didn't forget the tab highways and the midways in the latest round of prize money increases. The weekly editions of both races will go from $100,000 to $120,000 as from September the 1st. The tab highways introduced in 2015 have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the midways. Introduced as recently as July 2021 and now a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first midway was won by Albalagio Miss, trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a prime mover in the creation of the concept. The Tab Highways have created tremendous interest among country owners who were constantly on the lookout for a potential highway horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for when they feel they have a progressive horse in the stable and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. Country owners and trainers had cause for a double celebration when they learned prize money for the Kosciuszko would leap from $1.3 million to $2 million. The highways and the midways and the $2 million Kosciuszko are a major part of the new look of New South Wales racing. My special guest is John Wade. Well, there was only one Luskin star, but you did get to ride a few other really nice horses. You loved Razor Sharp, on whom you won a Ramorny at Grafton and a couple of Challenge Stakes. He was a classy horse, wasn't he? He was a very good horse. Uh, very, very good. Yeah. He was the second best, I'd say, that I've ridden. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What are your memories of Top Wing trained by Max Lees? Top Wing? Mm. Top Wing won the, won the Villiers. Uh, he was a good horse, but I would say Razor was second best. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. When Luskin Star was coming along early in the piece, Top Wing was the horse he was galloping with at Newcastle, I think. Yes, that's correct. So that's how you got a line on his ability. That's how I got a line on his ability. He had the edge on Top Wing. Oh, dear me. Marquis Star was a nice horse, John, for the freighter stable in Newcastle. He was one of your favourites back then? Yes, he was a, he was a very good horse, uh, Marquis Star. I, um, he went to Brisbane and won the 4X up there and uh, he won the pace setters, I think, or it was called at Gosford. Mm. He won quite a few, Marquis Star. Two nice fillies you rode for Max Lees were Joy Love and Ravage, they were a few years apart, weren't they? Yes, they were, yeah. Joy Love, just rekindle my memory. I seem to recall her having plenty of speed. Yeah, she won the Penfolds Classic mm. at Newcastle. Um, I, I just can't remember how many races she actually won, but uh, that was the main one she won, the Penfolds Classic. Mm. And Ravage? Ravage, uh, I only rode her. A few times she won about three with me, I think, and then uh, Wayne Harris rode her a couple of wins as well. I was suspended, mm. and then yeah, so the two of us rode him. Yeah. Harsh. Now, what about a horse called Broker's Pride, who was trained by a very astute man and a former Kiwi or expatriate Kiwi in Harold Riley at Warwick Farm? Now, there was a bloke who could get one ready. He was. He was very good. 
he uh, we he can he took that horse round everywhere around the bush before he went to Sydney. Mm-hmm. He went to uh, Grafton. He went to Coffs Harbour, Orange, Dubbo, I think. Uh, he went all these places before he took it, and and kept on winning in all these places as well. And then he came to Sydney with it. Yeah. It, uh, and he we won in Sydney, and uh, Dad ran second in that race in Sydney on Sky Sailor. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. I remember your dad riding Sky Sailor. He won a Grafton Cup on him. Yes, he did. Yep. Now, John, yeah. tell me about a horse called Private Thoughts. He was a full brother to the great Kingston town. He wasn't as good, obviously, but he was pretty useful nevertheless, and he was one of your favourites at the time. Yeah, he was, he was a pretty handy horse, and I think if they'd kept him going after the derby in uh, Brisbane, I think he would have kept winning a few more races, but they put him to stud after that. Mm. Uh, he, pulled, he pulled up sore after the derby, and uh, uh, it was only a... Um, the blacksmiths had pricked him uh, and he was very sore. But he would have got over that, I'm sure, but you no, know, decided to put him to start. Mm. Uh, you can see why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a bit of commercial value there being a full brother to Kingston Town. I think he got a few winners too, didn't he? He, he, he did, but he didn't get many. He, no. he wasn't what they were expecting, I'm sure. No. Yeah. Well, now that fateful trip to Queensland, John, for the 1984 Winter Carnival, you had a great association with Ballarat trainer Noel Kelly, who loved taking horses north to get away from that dreadful winter at Ballarat. How does your association first start with a Ballarat trainer like Noel Kelly? Well, it started off with one of his owners was the owner of Razor Sharp. Oh, I see. That's how I got to ride this horse for uh, Noel up in Brisbane, at, at uh, Southport that he starts with. Hmm. Um, I went up to ride for the owners of Rosa Sharp. Right. And uh, it started five to four favourite at uh, the Gold Coast, never run a place. And then I went on to Durban, put blinkers on it, and it got up at Durban after that. And I rode uh, all Noel's horses just about for that year and the, the year before. When he took them to Queensland. When he took them to Queensland, yeah. Mm. Well, he took a, a, a big herd in 1984. And while you were there that year, you picked up a ride on a horse called Copper Tip at an Ipswich meeting. And you were telling me the other day you can recall being midfield in the run when the horse in front of you suddenly hit the fence, bounced off the rail, and as it came out abruptly, you clipped its heels, which was unavoidable under the circumstances, and the results were devastating, and you knew you were in big trouble straight away, didn't you? I knew I was in trouble straight away, yeah. I just went straight down, hit the ground. Well, I, I didn't know. I, I just thought I broke my leg and that's it. It'll get a bit mended. and I had some broken ribs and punched along. That was all right. I've had them before. Hmm. Um, it was a hit. It was a trouble. Yep. Yeah. Now, is it true that five operations followed? I've, I had, I've had five operations on it all together. When it first happened, I had a pin and plate put in mm. um, and they, I flew back to Newcastle. I 
the ambulance took me in the airport, flew back to Newcastle after that was done, mm. put back in hospital in Newcastle. Uh, I was in there for about three or four weeks before they sent me home. And then I was in bed for probably eight months in oh. bed at home with a uh, cradle over me leg because I couldn't, a sheet couldn't touch me foot mm. at all. Well, the pain was just too much. So I was like that for probably eight months. And mm. uh, then they put in a half replacement hip down in uh, Concord. Mm-hmm. And uh, that worked pretty well, but I still had a lot of pain and I was on crutches for probably another six to eight months. Mm. And then I uh, had ended up having a full replacement hip done in Queensland. And uh, I was on crutch, uh, walking stick then for about another 12 months. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you've thrown the stick away though, haven't you? Uh, yes, since, only since I've stopped training horses because they were knocking me around more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You probably still considered a comeback, did you, all through those painfully uh, agonising months? Uh, the thought of a comeback was probably ever-present. Uh, I would like to, but the doctor told me. He said that that will not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the love of the thoroughbred still dominated your thoughts to the extent that you decided to give training a crack. And you lasted five years as a trainer, two years at Newcastle, three in Queensland, and you were telling me the reason you stopped is the same reason that continues to frustrate horse trainers all over Australia. Yes, trying to get them work was one of the hardest problems. You get there at 5 o'clock and uh, you'd be still waiting till 7.30. And I only had four or five horses in work at the time and I'd be waiting there until 7.30 to get them work. Mm. And I said, well, this is not good enough. I'm sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. John, there must have been mornings you'd have given anything to jump on them yourself. Oh, I wouldn't have loved it. would have loved to, yeah. Yeah. Well, you won a number of good races but – you're perhaps best remembered for a long price placing in a Doomben Cup with a horse called Multisync, who ran yes. third to Rough Habit and Raise Hope in 1991. I believe your owners had a terrific win at a terrific price. Yes, I think you're 330 to one. You had a nice bet each way on both, uh, each way. Yeah. Goodness me. They had smiles on their faces. Exactly. He was happy as Larry, just running third. (laughs) At the last roll call, you're the father of five, who between them have given you a total of seven grandchildren. You've created a dynasty. (laughs) None of them will be a jockeys, I don't think. (laughs) No sign of it? No sign of it yet, no. Yeah. And, uh, John, they're all over the place, aren't they? I think you've got one son in WA. I've got one daughter in WA. I've got a daughter and a son in Newcastle and a daughter and son in Queensland. And the grandkids? Grandkids, one one grandkid in Western Australia, two in uh, Newcastle and the others in Queensland. It was great to catch up at the jockeys' reunion the other day, made August 6th to be precise. And that's when we made tentative arrangements to do this podcast, and I'm very pleased we did. 
John, it's a long time since you've ridden racehorses, 38 years to be exact. Yeah. But, but people of uh, my generation and the generation before me have never forgotten Luskin Star and the dashing young Newcastle jockey who piloted him to, to all of those brilliant wins uh, as a two-year-old. It's been great to catch up, mate, and uh, I know you, you'll give a lot of pleasure to a lot of people listening to this podcast. Thank you very much, John. John Wade on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Friday the 2nd of September and Saturday September 3rd are two important days on the Spring Carnival agenda. On Friday, stakes races will be run at Wyong, the 2100 metre listed Wyong Cup and the 1350 metre listed Mona Lisa Stakes for the Phillies and Mares. This is the day the Wyong Club hosts one of the best provincial meetings of the year. Saturday the 3rd and the spotlight falls on Royal Randwick where four group races will be staged. The Group 2 Chelmsford Stakes, the Group 2 Tramway, the Group 2 Furious Stakes and the Group 3 1000 metre Concord Stakes. This is just an appetiser of what's to come in Sydney racing right through until Melbourne Cup Day when the inaugural Big Dance takes centre stage. A quick mention of the Rose Hill Gardens meeting on September the 10th when the Group 2 Run to the Rose will highlight a top card. This will be a spring carnival to remember.